Well, let's go ahead and get started then. So I want to welcome everyone to uh, this particular group call. This is going to be a, a kind of a bonus group call that I'm doing, and, and I'm doing that uh, because I, I, I'm so passionate about the work that Dino Watt does and the impact that it's made in my life. And as I've talked with uh, and worked with business owners over the course of the last five years, um, what I've realized is that uh, the things that uh, have helped me in working with Dino are, are things that come up as uh, certain issues that hold uh, the business owners that I work with back. And so um, why we're on the call today is I, I wanted to bring Dino on to just talk about really engaging and communicating in partnership with your spouse. Um, there's a lot of people that we work with that work with their spouse. They, they're a partner with their spouse or their spouse is very heavily involved in their business, and that's awesome. At the same time, there's, I, I've noticed that there's a, a level of uh, a, a not always consistent communication within those partnerships. And I know that if that's happening inside the business, then it's probably happening outside of the business as well. And so I, I wanted to bring Dino in to just really talk about what he does with the business of marriage and, uh, and, and just have him drop some wisdom uh, on our group today because I've I, I found that uh, Dino has certainly imparted a lot of wisdom in my own life. And I, and I worked with Dino uh, last year. My wife and I worked with Dino. And uh, I, I have to say that it's, it's by far the most important thing that I've done over the course of the last couple of years. And I, I, what I realized in working with Dino is that uh, there were some things in, in my own marriage that, uh, that certainly could be shored up and improved uh, in the communication area and other things. And Dino said something to me that really stuck out during that time. And he said, he said hey, this, won't, this will not only help your marriage, but it will help your business. And when he said that, it kind of caught my attention. And when he said it, I didn't really believe it. And I just said, okay, you know, that's nice. Okay, great. And what I realized is after working with Dino, not only did my marriage improve, um, but my business improved as well. It improved a lot of different areas in my life. And, uh, and so I wanted to bring Dino in front of uh, my group of clients and, and, and some of the other Freedom Fast Track clients are here that I don't work with as well um, so, that, so that we could talk about this and, and, and uh, hear from, from Dino, you know, what he's got to say about this. So, uh, Dino, I, I appreciate you being on the call tonight. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, bringing me here and, and, and inviting me here, and thank you for those kind words. I, I loved working with, with you too. It was uh, a lot of fun. Okay. Well, good. So, um, awesome. So, Dino, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell tell the group here a little bit about yourself before we get into the content. Sure. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur literally uh, the last 20 years of my life. Uh, I've been married for 19 years to my wife, Shannon. We just celebrated 19 years uh, about a week ago, week and a half ago. And, uh, as all of you who are on the call most likely understand, as entrepreneurs and in marriage, there it, it, it's an interesting combination of the two. You have to be ready and willing for the ups and the downs, and 
the highs and the lows, and it brings out a lot of uh, interesting aspects that I don't think are in in every marriage. Of course, there are aspects in every marriage, but when you are an entrepreneur, it adds a, another level to it. So um, as an entrepreneur, I also like coaching people, and in 2006, I was coaching for a national company that helped people build businesses in different ways, and I became their coach of the year. And at that time, I wasn't coaching them on um, marriage at all. I was coaching them on business, but I would get over and over again, we'd get on the phone calls, and my hour-long phone calls with them, I would say 90% of the time was spent on dealing with their marital issues. And me saying, well, you know, if you put this together and did that together, or if you did this like you would in your business, then you would get this outcome. Until finally, someone literally said to me after a session, they're like, you know, we are doing this thing, and it's really been improving our marriage, too. Do you teach anything on that? And kind of the light bulb went off, and I went, you know what? More people should take business principles or learn how to take business principles and put them into their relationship. And that's what started the business of marriage. And uh, we've been doing it ever since. My wife and I do the business together. Um, I will say that I was the one who came up with the idea and was really passionate about it. And then we just got to a point in our business where I said, you know, having the yin and yang on stage when we talk or with our clients to be able to say, well, here's my perspective and here's the female perspective of it. And for them to, number one, see that we could work together, have two different perspectives, but come uh, have an outcome where both of us benefit was really powerful for our clients. So um, right now I am, just so everybody knows where I am, and in case, <laughs> I don't know if Brendan explained this or not, but my wife decided a year, a little over a year ago, almost two years ago, that she would like to go on a year-long road trip across the country. And me being somebody who's like, hey, let's have an adventure, we decided to take our business and our family on the road and we have been gone from our home in Utah for the last uh, 11 months now. We left December 7th, and we're now sitting in Florida and still being able to keep this business alive. And I've been saying that we talked about marriage before. We helped people with their marriages before, but the ultimate test really is the fact that we've lived in a 37-foot space with three teenagers and traveled over 28,000 miles together, and we still are passionately in love with each other. That's hopefully a good testament of who we are and what we do. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dino. I, I'm I'm excited to to bring you on. So give us a give us a little outline of what we're going to learn today. So I, I appreciate you like challenging me to this, Brandon. You you had asked me earlier to say, okay, well, this is the thing that I'm seeing, and I. I really want to give my uh, clients and the Freedom Fast Track members some really great value. And, and I got to tell you, it's a challenge for me sometimes not to just do my normal, um, when I stand up in front of people and give them my, uh, what we call the relationship slope, where we can show you exactly where your relationship is, you know, stuff. Because um, it's, it's, it's an easy package. And we have so much stuff, depending on the situation, the person that we talk to, that it's hard just to pick out a few things. And so you challenged me to do that. And I sent some stuff over to you that I thought we could talk about. And then afterwards, uh, Shannon and I actually sat down and we created a, a, pro, a, a kind of an outline just for this call, um, all based on communication. We call it the Ten Commandments of Communication. So what I'm going to show you today is I'm going to give you ten really powerful 
tips and tools that you should know in order to create a better space of communication between between the two of you. And I and when I say like no one's ever heard this before in this format in this order. To dead serious, we created this just for you, Brandon, because of the challenge you threw down. So I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> okay. So that's awesome, right? That's uh see I'm glad I could be your muse, Dino. So I'm gonna yes, let Dino absolutely. pretty much take it I'm gonna <laughs> let Dino take control from here. But uh, because I don't know that it's possible to stop talking for 30 minutes or more, uh, I may have to interject or talk here and there um, just so I don't have a, a, a panic attack from not talking. But um, so, so Dino, I'll, I'm going to turn the time, time over to you, and uh, I'm excited to, to hear what you came up with. Well, for the sake of you not having a panic attack, I really please feel free to interrupt and, and ask questions because I love the conversational aspect of things, and I. I know we can't have everybody all on the call at once to ask questions, but I definitely, if it, I, don't, I don't know the format if you actually allow questions at the end or anything. I really do uh, invite that and definitely love talking to you. So please feel free to yeah. drop in with any questions. Yeah. So that's great. So we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely have a Q and A at the end. So we're good there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks. Um, okay, so just hopefully everybody has a little uh, piece of paper and a pencil out or something. And, and Brandon, if you like, I'll even. Uh, shoot, it's a really um, generic Word document. I'll shoot it over to you after the call is over. You can send it out to everybody if you like um, so they can have right. that as notes as well. But um, So number one, let's start with number one. Number one is actually something that my wife and I do in every uh, 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 coaching call, every time we're up speaking, every time we're training. It's It's the number one rule that we put out there for everyone, and it is – you are responsible for you. So in the conversation and communication with your spouse, if you can remember that you're responsible for your own self and how you react, then that will actually change the way you actually have a communication with them. It's the way that you can call yourself accountable for the things you say and, and what you're doing, um, how you're reacting. Because if you're truly responsible for you, it takes away a lot of things. Uh, one of the most important things that it takes away is um, blaming. So this is going to go kind of like a of a subcategory under you're responsible for you, which is blaming. You can't blame. Blaming, we consider blaming um, being lame. And if you take the B and separate it from the B and the L. And not so much in a, oh, you're lame way, but in a, when you're blaming someone else, you're like a lame animal and you can't move forward. And even worse, not being able to move forward is that if you're an animal stuck in a trap and somebody went to come to help you, if your spouse or your kids or your coworkers were actually coming to assist you because you're in a blame mode, your first reaction is to be like a, a caged animal or a trapped animal and to attack instead of accept or listen or help. So commandment number one, you're responsible for you. Commandment number two is make it a safe place. Now, in a safe place, there's no ridiculing, there's no shame, there's no anger, there's no fear. So it's it's responsible. It's your responsibility in this case to make your home, your office, your bedroom, where wherever you're going to have a conversation with your spouse, a safe place, knowing that. This is a place where we're best friends, we're lovers, 
we care for one another, and we're going to make it safe for each one of you to speak how you should speak, to care about what the other person has to say. And number three is really important. Number three is something that we're seeing a lot of more and more, and I believe it's one of the biggest dangers to a marriage. Number three is watch your language. What this means is there, in my opinion, should be no space for name-calling or insults in a relationship. You know, if you look at the business aspect of it, Brandon, I know that, you know, in the office there, it, um, the Freedom Fast Track office is there, you guys speak a certain way, right? I mean, it's probably a little different than if you were on a construction site, the words and the language that you would hear. Am I correct? Um, yeah, we do our best that way. Uh, you know, Wade Reed's <laughs> on the call, and he's probably the worst offender. But, you know, other than that. He, he's he's a pretty salty mouth. I understand. It's true. He is a pretty salty mouth. Yeah, he's like but a sailor. Most, but, uh, yeah, but, but, yeah, it is it is buttoned up for sure. Yeah, there's Just a different Wade. language. And in every office, it's like that, right? In every business, depending on the business, we have a different language. Well, I think there should be a different language used also in your relationships. And using um, insults or, um, or, or, or names that demean or degrade, there's no place for it. And the worst thing about it is that it's something that actually scars on the emotion, the heart, the, the mind to the person who's actually being called that thing or said that to. And there's no place for it whatsoever. So number, uh, number three is watch your language. Number four. Number four is really important because you need to, here it is, enroll your partner before you start to talk. Meaning there's so often where we have times where we have something we want to say and we just got to get it off our chest. And our wife is, she's in, you know, on the computer doing something, maybe doing a project for the kids, and we just have to say it. So we walk right in, we storm right in, we open the door, and we give it to them. We tell them how we feel, and we're right. We are so right in what we say, but we're going to tell them right where it feels. And then they're in a position of being blown away by this because there was no permission asked. There was no setup for it. They're being bombarded. And so when you can actually ask permission if this is a good time to talk, or ask permission for a time to talk, to, to go away with each other, to talk about what it is you feel, then that is going to help really make it a place where you both can be have productive conversations. So number three was watch your language. Number four is enroll your partner. Ask permission if it's a good time to talk. And number five, Number five is very interesting because uh, my wife and I one time were watching a show with Diane Sawyer, the news broadcaster, and she was given a, an interview, and she said something that caught both of our attention that we thought, ooh, that's a great way to explain it. Because we used to talk about all the time how people should make requests, and that's what number five is, make a request and not a criticism. And what Diane Sawyer said is she said, you know, I had a teacher once tell me that a criticism is just a really bad way of making a request. So why not just make the request? And that just hit both of us at the same time. We're like, oh my gosh, that is so right on. When we're criticizing, all we're doing is we're asking for something that we want 
but we're just doing it in a really bad way. So when we train our couples, we often talk about, okay, well, what's the request? Even when Shannon and I talk to one another, if one of us makes a, a criticism or even a judgment that they're, you know, assuming or whatever, which we'll get to in a moment, we on each other still turn to each other and say, okay, so what's your request? With our kids, we'll say, okay, will you make a request, please? What's your request? Because if I don't ask that and if I'm not clear, what happens? Well, then I snap back because I've been pushed. I'm going to push back. So number five, make a request, not a criticism. Number six, ask questions. Don't read their mind or assume. One of the things that we teach so often is asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. So ask a question, ask a better question. If you really want to know how somebody feels, if you really want to know how you can communicate with your kids, with people in your office, with your spouse, ask questions and then above and beyond that, ask a better question. Uh, we do a training where we talk about how uh, typically if you can get past the first three to four questions, by the time you get there, you're usually going to get the true answer. But if not, there's seven layers to a really good question. So let me give an example if any of you have teenagers out there. You know, often you ask a question, you get a uh-huh or uh-uh or a sure or whatever. Well, when we can ask more and better questions, we're actually going to get to the truth there. I'll give a simple example of being in an office. How often throughout the day, do you walk by somebody and say, hey, how's it going today? And they go, oh, we're good, we're good. And you go, oh, okay, cool. And you keep walking. But if you were to stop and say, really, what's great about your day? Oh, well, you know, this, I guess. Oh, well, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. By the time you get to the fourth question, the brain of the other person, the subconscious actually goes, oh, they seriously want to know more about me. They are somebody that I might be able to open up and trust and talk to. So it helps get more to the real root cause. It brings a connection between the two of you. So ask questions. Don't mind read. One of the things that is so interesting about all of us couples is that we think we know what the other person is going to think, do, say, be, act, when I, um, you know, Shannon and I have known each other since we were five years old. We've known her since five years old. I've known her for 36 years of my life. I'm 41 years old today. I've known this girl for 36 years. Of course I know everything she's going to think or do. Of course. We've been married 19 years. Of course. Not. That's not the way it works. But I get that so often with couples. Well, I know they're thinking this. I know that's what they want. Oh, you have no idea. I know them. I, I know them better than they know themselves. I hear that a lot. And the truth is, is that you don't know. You don't always know. But when you assume it is, or when you mind read is when you're going to cause more problems. So ask questions. You know, Brandon, I think the catalyst for you even uh, having me do this call, as you told me on the phone, was you know, I have people who are uh, are working together and you'll make a suggestion of something and one person will say, yeah, I thought about that. And if it's really, I haven't thought about that. And it's not even just about the communication that they're missing out on. It's the, let's ask each other more questions and find out, 
how we feel about things, what we think about things. It doesn't mean we have to do what they think or they want all the time, but it does help to at least get their opinion, and maybe they have a better idea because, and you know now because you asked a better question. So we're about um, a little more than halfway through here on those on the Ten Commandments. Brennan, any questions you have at this point about any of those or comments you'd like to make on them? Well, I just think when we look at these things, I mean, we're talking, we started this conversation in the context of marriage. But what I want everyone who's listening to this to keep in mind is how applicable these things are to any relationship that we're in. And, and one of the things that I talk about in leadership is the, the better leader that you will be in your business will be predicated upon your ability to communicate effectively to those around you. And this is your end user in, in the terms of, you know, for a lot of our clients, their patients. Um, this is your employees. This is strategic partnerships in your business. All these things are so critical. Um, if you just take number one, you're responsible for your communication. How many times have we had a misunderstanding in our business with an employee because we didn't communicate clearly what the expectation was with what we wanted done? And what we do in that moment, it's we don't take responsibility. We're like, man, that employee's an idiot. Um, what's wrong with them? Um, they're always screwing up. Um, but if we take responsibility for that, at some level, we can say, hey, was there something about my communication that wasn't clear? So I love what we're talking about here because it's so applicable in so many different areas. So I, I love that you brought that up, Brendan, because um, actually right now I'm in the middle of uh, – I have a, a, a dentist client who just hired me to come in after we did some work with his uh, wife and him, and we did a whole six sessions with him. He's had me come in now and work inside his office with his office manager and with um, the girls in the office for this exact thing, communication, making it run smoother, making it run to the point to where they all are on the same page. Because quite honestly, look at it. In the world of any type of service, when you have a group of employees, especially when you're talking you know, with the chiropractors or dentists or orthodontists who I mainly work with, that's a family. It's a family inside that office. And to some degree, if you're somebody who has an office manager, that's a spouse situation. Like you spend more time in those situations than you do a lot of times at your actual home. And so to understand how these communication uh, principles work, it will help in every aspect of your life. And when you're talking about the irresponsible for you thing, here's a tip for everyone out there. How you're going to know if you're living in a world of you're responsible for you, especially in your relationship, but anywhere in life, is if you notice that you're using I more than you are you. If you can, tell, if you can listen to yourself and if you can just kind of pay attention and you can find out and, or see that you're using the word I, I feel, I'm this way, I'm not sure, I, instead of you make me, you're not you make me feel or, or, or you didn't. Those are ways that you can find out. And then when it comes to, just like you said, Brennan, then you come to clarification. Well, 
Maybe I can ask a better question. Did I fully clarify what I needed? What was it about what I asked that they didn't understand? This is helping you take responsible for yourself. So, yeah, it definitely works in every aspect of communication, especially in your businesses, and you're right. The level of communication that you can get with your patients, with your office staff, is going to help with the level of success you're going to have in your business. So, that's awesome. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, so good. I, I, like, uh, I like where we're going so far. Okay, cool. All right, then... This is going to be one that everybody's going to go, well, but Dino's talking for half an hour, so I don't know how this one works out. But number seven is listen more than you talk. Seek to understand before being understood. I mean, Stephen Covey wrote that, right? The whole point is listen more than you talk. I think one of the things that's very interesting about, um, uh, if you if you ask any of my clients, a lot of times when I'm in the calls with them, I'm I'm quiet most of the time because I ask a question and then I just listen. And then through that talking is where I know where to go when it comes to where the issues are and what we can talk about more and what questions to ask. But if you listen more than you talk, something really interesting happens between a couple, especially, but really with anyone. Let's just say you're the spouse that has something you really want to say. So often in a typical um not fully functional, we won't call it dysfunctional, not fully functional communication effort between a husband and wife. There's one person is typically being cut off by the other person. One person is not actually listening to the full thing they said. They listen to the thing that offended them and what they're doing the rest of the time while they're waiting for a breath from the other person is thinking of what they're going to say to tell them how wrong they are or to defend themselves. But what's fascinating is this. If you actually just allow the other person, or even if you have the space to do this, to just talk and speak and get it all out, the more they're able to get out, it's just like a balloon that's full of air. I'm not saying that your spouse is full of hot air. Go with me on this. That the more air that comes out of the balloon, the more deflated and the less tense the balloon is. It's the same thing with emotion. The more we're able to get out, and I'm not talking yelling to screaming and all that stuff. I'm talking just a space where they can actually just say what they need to say, get it all out, not interrupted. Then all of a sudden their emotions relax. They're able to get more of it out. And what I want you to do this week is I want you guys to experiment with this with yourself. If there's something you really want to say, something you really want to get out, and maybe it's not with your spouse at this time, maybe it's with an office worker, maybe it's with a friend, maybe it's even just in a room that you're able just to say it all out loud. And out loud is the key, not just in your head, because we all know you're speaking a thousand things in your head. We all do this. We all speak to ourselves, have all those little voices. But to be able to get it all out, but if you can get in that space of being able to let it all out, you'll notice a difference in your emotion. You'll notice a difference in how tight you are, how you've been able to let all the air out of that balloon, and then you're more relaxed. And when you are there, you have the opportunity to actually listen to the other person when, they, when it's their turn to speak. 
there's a saying that we use all the time. That is, the higher the emotion, the lower the IQ. So if you are in a high emotion situation, then you should not be talking at that time because you're not saying the things you want to say and you're going to be in a situation where afterwards, after you've calmed down, you're going, dang it, I could have said that and that would have been perfect. But because your IQ was higher or because your emotions were higher, your IQ was low. Then in that same vein, still underneath number seven and listening more than you talk, I want you to try to see what's really going on underneath the argument, underneath the frustration. What emotion is fueling what's going on? What physical thing is going on? One of the things we always advise against is do not have deep conversations or important conversations with people when they are tired, especially overly tired, hungry, especially overly hungry, or distracted. Don't do it. So if you're thinking to bring up a really important thing as you're both getting ready to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night and you've had a long day, probably not a good idea. For some people, you also have to look at what else is going on. It is important, guys, for you to know your wife's cycles because it might not be a good idea, and this isn't anything against women, but it might not be a good idea to do it at a certain time of the month, not for your sake, for hers. It's not fair. And then on the same side of that, ladies, it's important for you to see, hmm, when was the last time we actually had sex? When was the last time that he's been able to just have that relaxation going on? And same for you, too. But that connection, that's important. And so is, it, is that being fueled? What emotion is being fueled? I can tell you personally, personal experience just recently. We are, we are living in a 37-foot space. Uh, about two weeks ago, my wife would say a couple, few things here and there and be like, man, you're just really short. And really, I'm not, not height. I am short height-wise, but you're really short like temper-wise. And I'm like, really? I didn't notice that. What's going on? So I took the time before I wanted to make sure that I had my point heard and got my point across is I took about two days to really think of, well, wow, if, if she's seeing that I was short this last week, why is that? What, what was I doing? And so I thought about it, and it made me think, yeah, you know what? This is why I'm short. Oh, yeah, I did realize that, yeah, I'm kind of feeling this way, and this is going on in my life. And it helped me to where when I could come to her, and we had our space, we call it a marriage mastermind, where we got together, and I said, you know what? I was thinking about what you said, and you're right. Here's the reasons why. I felt like I wasn't being you know, respected in this place, this place, or that place. I felt like this was going on. I felt like this went on. And I was, I was using that against you, and I apologize. But it allowed me now to see where I was. It wasn't putting blame back on her. It was allowing me to kind of have an aha moment of my own. So underneath listening more than you talk, you want to have the more empty they are, the defensiveness will come down. And then you want to look for what's really underneath the argument. What emotion is fueling it? Is it fear? Is it feeling not acknowledged, not respected? Is, not, is it feeling foolish? Is it something going on in the office that they're bringing home with them and you're not realizing it? And, and yes, that's on them. But as the one who isn't having the higher emotion, so the more stable IQ, it's important to be able to see those things. And then hopefully they'll be able to look at that themselves too. Okay, number eight. Number eight is 
Watch your body language um, when you're speaking to one another. A couple of really important things. Have open uh, gestures with them. Good eye contact. Make sure that you are actually facing each other when you're talking. Don't try to have conversations when one's in front of the computer or the TV. Make sure that you both are there. Now, one of the things to look for, too, a very important um, uh, gesture. This is actually, there's a, there's a uh, University of Washington did a study on this for 25 years. And one of the number one body language movements that they were able to tell would be a um, indicator of divorce was eye rolling. And a few of you on the phone just went, oh, no, I do that a lot. <laughs> or you said, oh, no, my wife does that a lot. What eye rolling is, eye rolling is a sign of contempt. And contempt is one of the leading indicators of future divorce. Because whenever we put somebody into contempt, whenever anybody feels contempt, they feel less than. And typically, our human spirit can only handle being feeling less than for so long. And so contempt is a very, very important thing. So if you notice yourself as an eye roller, first of all, don't kill yourself over it. Just know that you can just acknowledge it and do what you can to avoid it or stop it. Recognize what you're doing. Recognition is such a, a, a huge helper in marriages, but recognize it and then dedicate yourself to stopping it. Why, ask yourself, why am I feeling contempt right now? Why am I feeling like I don't want to hear this right now? Okay, number nine, perspective. Be willing to look at how maybe your perspective is wrong. And maybe, even for the sake of let's getting back into peace, they might have a different perspective on it. This kind of goes back to even what I was talking about with Shannon and I knowing each other since we were five years old. We do not know exactly what the other person is thinking or feeling at the time. We don't know their perspective fully. No matter how much we try to understand it, we won't know. So is it possible that they have a different perspective on almost everything? You know, in our business and marriage events, we actually do a game at the very beginning of them where we do what's called the perspective game. And it's fascinating the results of the way even 20 people on either team can't get the same perspective because we're all different people and we don't want to have everybody. What, what a boring marriage that would be if you both had the exact same perspective. But you want to ask yourself, okay, is this the hill I want to die on? Do I want to be, do I want peace or do I want to be right? Well, peace, if I were to think maybe my perspective isn't, not that it's wrong, but it isn't their perspective, then if I actually look at it that way, will that help me have peace versus I'm right? And then number 10 is give it time. This is a big one, folks. Give it time to marinate. Not all challenges can or need to be worked out in the moment. I think one of the biggest um, I would say, misinformation that's out there is this whole idea of never go to bed angry. 
You will never hear Shannon and I say that because I don't believe that. Not that I want you to go to bed angry, but I don't believe every, every argument has to be solved before you go to bed. I don't believe that two people have to get to a place of total understanding of one another before they can actually go to bed and wake up the next morning with a new perspective, with a new, new way to look at things. What I do believe is you can get to a place of saying, okay, this is probably not going to um, end anytime soon or we're not going to see each other's perspective anytime soon. So let's table this and let's pick it up tomorrow or tomorrow night. Let's create a space for one another to talk about this. I don't want to just ignore this. We don't want to just push this down because this needs to get resolved. But let's at least agree at this point to table it and move it on. That can be so powerful in a relationship because how many times have you been frustrated about something or stuck on how to resolve something, not just in your relationship, but in any part of your life, and you went to bed, you slept on it, and the next morning had the aha of like, oh, that's what they were saying, or oh, that's what they meant, or oh, that's how I can resolve this. I don't know about you, that happens a lot with me. And so to table it is okay, so give it time. And also, identify it if it's a perpetual problem versus a solvable problem. Now, what I mean by that is this. The same study that I talked about earlier from the University of Washington, they identified the fact that um, 69% of all of your challenges, 69% of your challenges in your marriage are what's called perpetual problems, meaning they're not going to go away. And if you were to you know, heaven forbid, divorce your spouse and go find another spouse in that relationship too, you would have another 69% of problems that were perpetual. They're not going to go away. It's just who they are. It's the person you married. A lot of them are ones that you ignored when you were dating and all that fun stuff because, hey, you know, they're the greatest person on the planet and so you would ignore that and that's fine. But for the most part, that's just who they are. However, 31% of them are solvable problems. Now, to me, that's, all, that's an actual powerful thing. It's usually how I start out my mentoring sessions is saying, hey, just so you know, this is where we are. Well, I'm not going to deal with those 69%. I, I, there's nothing I can do with that. They're perpetual problems. But let's work with the solvable ones. Let's work with the 31%. The most successful couples, the most successful couples out there are couples who can Look at the 69 and go, oh, you know what? Those are just going to be their silly little quirks that I'm going to deal with. They're just going to be there. Shannon, you know, I scratched the back of my throat a lot. And I remember it used to drive her crazy when we were dating. But that's not going to be something that is going to be solvable. It's just what it's a habit I have now. It's solvable for me if I wanted to change it. But is it the hill she wants to die on? It's just a personality thing. And she now is able to look at like, oh, there's Dino's little silly little quirk. It's, we all have them. And then understand that when you are giving it time, you also need to be willing to compromise, concede, or create a third alternative. And what a powerful thing to be able to do in any situation. You know, compromising is not a bad thing. Conceding can actually give you a lot of power. And creating a third alternative then gives you both something to work towards. 
And that's, that's very powerful stuff. I, I, I talk about often with my clients um, a forgiveness cycle. One of the biggest challenges I see in relationships is that the forgiveness cycle for couples typically ends up getting bigger and bigger and longer and longer throughout a relationship. And remember when you were first dating, anything your spouse did or your boyfriend, girlfriend did at the time, it typically was forgiven pretty quickly because, you know, they're the greatest person in the world. Anything, I, oh, okay, well, that's, that's I understand why they're doing that. I understand why, you know, he stood me up, right? Whatever. You forgave quickly. Shannon and I have worked really hard on making sure that we have a forgiveness cycle between the two of us. That our longest forgiveness cycle, I can say, that we've had or the, our longest uh, time between breakdown and resolve, breakdown and getting back to great relationships, has been about 48 hours. That's the longest. And that's been in the last 10 years. Uh, maybe I could say we've done that two or three times in our life. I mean, in the last 10 years. We typically will get through that cycle and get back to good with the two of us easily within 12 hours. Because for me, I'd rather get back to what our ultimate purpose and goal is in our relationship, our focus. That's where I want to get back to. And then lastly, I wanted just to say that arguing is not a bad thing. And I want couples to really understand that, that a lot of couples, we're actually just on a, a conference call or a call yesterday being interviewed by this really, this mommy blog. And one, they were able to type in questions on the side while we were talking. And one of the questions or comments, I should say, was like, oh, I'm just so glad that my husband and I never fight. We have never argued. It's just not in our nature. It's just not something we do. And I, 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 all I can say to that is, like, great, that, that's awesome. You know, I, I teach this stuff, and I cannot say that. I don't want to say that. Because I believe there's a difference between fighting and arguing. Fighting can get where emotions are really high and they get kind of nasty. But arguing, I argue with Shannon. She argues with me. I, I argue with my kids. They're all teenagers. <laughs> are you kidding me? But it's a, it's, it's a productive thing. It's something to where we're not doing it to hurt one another. We do it because we both have an opinion. And I would not want to be married to somebody who did not have an opinion, who just went along with everything that I thought. That's not fun. There's more color and there's more uniqueness in a relationship where you can respect the other person, even if you disagree with them, by being able to have a bit of an argument. So I, I don't want anybody to get to get the feeling that I'm going through the Ten Commandments of Communication so that you don't argue. I'm not hoping you have lots more arguments. What I'm saying is I want you to have productive arguments so that both of you can be in a place of respect and understanding, and that ultimately is joy. So those are my Ten Commandments. What are your thoughts, Brennan? Love it, man. I love it. Okay, that's good stuff. So, you know, think about, as, as we're listening to this, I mean, think about, look, we've got Ten Commandments here, Dino, so I'm going to imagine that uh, you wouldn't suggest that we can all do better in these ten areas at some level. Um, what would be your suggestion in terms of where to start? 
Oh, good question. Um, the first thing I would do to start is the first thing I tell every single one of my clients or people I talk to or whatever it is, find a place in your schedule to sit down and have what I call a marriage mastermind, where you sit down and you have a specific time, not where there's a football game going on, not when kids are running around, not when there's any type of distraction like that, where the two of you can just start talking to one another and get on the same page of schedules, get on the same page of how you're doing. Uh, here's a question that you can ask that it is, it can be a good starter if you're ready for it. And the question is this, how am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a wife? And if you have created the space and you go through these, if you have these Ten Commandments as kind of the guidelines, and you're able to say, uh, give a response to that question to your spouse when they ask that in a loving, purely um, desire for both of you to grow mode, and you're able to hear it in a, hey, I asked for it because I really want to know because I want to be my best. Because I don't care how successful you are in your business. I really think it's great, you know, whoever is doing what in their business, but I, I want people to be successful in their marriages first and foremost. And if you can take that in, then you're going you're gonna to have such a new level to your relationship, it's not even funny. I just, it's such a powerful question to ask. So create a space where you both can have a marriage mastermind and use these as your outline. Number one is number one for a reason. Number two is number two for a reason. So if you only had to start on one, start on number one. Then go to number two and number three. And just take it down line. Maybe it's this week is we're going to work on being responsible for ourselves, and next week we're going to deal with making it a safe place. What's funny is that they'll get easier and tighter together. You won't need more time in between the more you go down the list. Okay. Awesome. I like that. So, um, good deal. So, let's let's open it up here for just a little bit of Q&A. Um, if you've got questions, you know, Dino, before I get into that, um, how do these guys get more information about you? Uh, if they want to talk with you, how do they go about doing that first before I get into the Q&A? Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, definitely anybody that is through um, the Biz Blueprint or through Freedom Fast Track, I, you know, I have done so much work with, you know, not only you, Brandon, with wages on the call. I've done, you know, I've been with Garrett doing work with him for now going on three years. I just feel it a privilege to be able to talk with people who are kind of like-minded, who we, who we have kind of the same language who we can talk about. And so what I'm happy to do is anybody who would like to, I give what's called a, a free discovery session. Um, an hour to talk with me typically is about 250 bucks when we, I'm doing you know, coaching sessions and stuff. So I'm happy to give out to anybody on the call doing what we call a discovery session. There's no commitment to it or whatever. It's just a matter of, hey, let's find out how I can best serve you or what I can best even do in that, in that hour long call. It's an hour long, 60 minutes typically. And uh, just give me a, an email at dinowatt at gmail.com. Uh, you can also text me at my number if you like, but dino at um, 
or sorry, dinowatt at gmail.com. You can go there. And I'm happy, happy to set that up. Uh, my schedule is anywhere between a week to two weeks out, uh, not only because of our travel, but because of our clientele and stuff. So happy to do that. Um, if you want to text me, it's 801-580-9290. You can text me there and we can set that up. And yeah, I appreciate that, Brandon. That would be great. And once again, happy to do that for your clientele. Okay, so we're going to open it up here for a few questions. Don't be shy if you've got some questions. You can even do this, you know, if you don't want to get too personal. Hey, I heard about my brother or this other guy <laughs> who did this. Um, you know, we can totally do that. Um, but if you want to unmute yourself because I muted you, um, star six to unmute. And uh, feel free to fire away at, uh, at Dino and ask him some questions. So. We'll open that up now. Everyone can be named John Smith or Jane Smith, right? Like yes, yes. Anonymity. If I recognize your voice, I won't bust you out. <laughs> Unless it's Wade. Okay. So while your while everyone is thinking about whether they want to ask a question or not, um, here's a couple of other things just to kind of write down on the calendar. So hopefully you've got your pen and paper out already and you've been taking some notes. Um, but next week, so this is a bonus because some of you who are on this call aren't actually clients of mine, but here's a bonus that I'm going to throw your way. Uh, next week I'm doing my monthly management call. And we're going to talk on Thursday at this time, at this number, um, about how to create transformation with the information that you have about your business. So a lot of times we gather information about our business, but it doesn't do anything to really move the needle or change what actually happens in our business. So I want to talk about that next week and talk about how you can take that information uh, that you gather in your business and actually use it in a healthy and productive way to create transformation in your business. Um, so, Dino, I think uh, I, I think we're good on questions. Uh, no one's got any questions, but I'm sure some people will connect with you. So, guys, it's DinoWatt at gmail.com. Make sure you email him and take advantage of that. Uh, it was something that was so impactful for my life. Uh, I was so happy that I did it, and I promise you will not be sorry if you talk with Dino and uh, and, and connect with him and work with him. So, uh, Dino, thank Brandon, you again for taking some time on your birthday to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> you bet. And I was going to say, it's funny, you know, that's your – it's funny that that is your um, topic for next week. Isn't that the truth even from tonight, right? I mean, are you going to be information yeah. gatherers, or are you going yes. to transform? You know, and that's, yep. that's, that's the key. I, pre I love that. That's great. Very well said. So that's all we've got for tonight. Again, Dino, I thank you for joining us. And uh, you, everyone else, if, if you guys have questions or need anything from me, you can email me. Um, if not, I will hopefully talk to a lot of you next Thursday at 7 o'clock Mountain. And uh, we will do this all over again with a different topic. So again, uh, thank you to Dino and everyone else who's on the call tonight, um, and we will talk to you again soon. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night. All right. Good night.